My right eye is not terrible. My left eye is a disaster. <laughs> to the point that the optometrist basically said, your brain has shut off access to your left eye and you are not using it at all because the disparity between what this eye can see versus what this eye can see means without glasses, my brain is just like, no, this is what you see. Wow. Yeah. So got the glasses and it's been awesome. You can see how awesome I am. I'm enjoying it a lot. I can tell you're really, yeah. you're down. Yeah, down the it's clown. super cool. All right. But the headaches went away. That's a good thing. All right. All right. So that's the story. That's the short, short version. Only need them for reading? Effectively, it's anything within about a, a five-foot distance. So, like, I can see the details of your shirt clearly enough, but I can feel myself straining to do it. I see. And then I do that. I can see it normally, and I can actually feel my eyeballs relax when I do it. Wow. Outside, it's not a big deal. Like, I can drive. I can play golf. I can do all that shit without having to worry about it. But anything within that range that I actually need to discern details, pretty much from here on out, here we are. I know it's coming for me. I know it is because both of my parents wear some form of bifocals. So, near and farsighted, I got LASIK. 16 years ago? Right. I was going to say, it's been a long-ass time. And yeah. that doesn't last forever? Uh, well, it, it may not last forever, but so far, we're 16 years in, and I already and I still have, like, 2015 vision. Nice. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm seven years old, right? But I'm... Sorry. It was hanging out there. I mean, I'm allowing it, but only because I'm so tired. Oh. <laughs> Hello, alleged human, and welcome to the Chaos Lever Podcast. My name is Ned, and I'm definitely not a robot. I'm a real human with... <sighs> Chris, you know, I just can't do it anymore. I can't lie to these good people. The rumors are, in fact, true. I am a lizard person, a saurian, in disguise, tasked with taking over the world and instituting a new world order. You know what, though? You know what? We've decided as a group that it is not worth it, and most of my Clutch family will be returning to their homeworld to plan the next interstellar invasion of against a sentient race that hasn't completely destroyed their planet. Not me, though. I'm sticking around. I've grown to really enjoy my hairless hominid companions. And besides, I like it hot and sunny. Who doesn't? This explains why there are so many heat lamps around. Oh, that's not that's not for me. And the and the warming rocks? Those are for me. <laughs> I see. I see. <laughs> and the newly installed sauna? Also for me. Saunas make me uncomfortable. They make everyone uncomfortable. I'm pretty sure that's the point. Oh. Yeah, I didn't really understand it either. I don't think it works as well if you don't have access to an icy lake right next to the sauna. Oh, so you do the you're talking about the hot bath, cold, cool dip. Oh yeah, combination like it still feels vaguely like torment. Mm-hmm. So does living in Norway. So <laughs> wow, there go all our Norway listeners. Oh, uh, Sven, <laughs> come back, Sven. We need you. <laughs> you're the linchpin of our community. No, seriously, Sven, come back. I swear, you'll be the last in the lizard extermination. <laughs> 
Should we talk about some tech garbage? Definitely. Oh, good. Oh, once more round the sun. I like how this isn't related to anything. Uh, it's, it's sort of related to Mastodon. That's one of their album titles. Oh, God. Idiot. I was going to work in their album titles throughout this entire article, but then I got lazy. That's fair. So that's and the end of- so expected. I know. I swear I was going to write about KubeCon Detroit 2022. I swear I was. But if we're being honest, and my protocols don't permit me to lie, it was pretty boring stuff. Now, I'm not like, I'm not diminishing the technical accomplishments of the cloud native community. They do a lot of good and useful work. But honestly, like Kubernetes and the surrounding projects in its orbit have basically matured to a point where they're stable. Improvements are just incremental. And so it's kind of boring. So you've gotten to a bedrock platform and people probably don't want dramatic changes either. Exactly. Dramatic changes would be... Frightening? Bad. Upsetting. Yes. The expectation at this point is stability. Completely destroy the order of society as we know it. No, those are the lizards. We've been over this. My bad. Wrong paragraph. Carry on. Okay. Okay. So, I mean, there's stuff to talk about, but not a ton. And something else caught my eye. Because our favorite bird site was purchased for uh, $44 billion by our favorite Bond villain wannabe. So I figured maybe we could focus on that. Should we focus on the fact that he purchased the company for two and a half times what it's actually worth? <laughs> or that he did it with uh, completely writing away due diligence and wasting literally hundreds of million dollars on lawyers in an insane and quixotic effort to not make the purchase that he so proudly claimed he was going to? And then still had to do it because Delaware doesn't fuck around. Right. <laughs> <laughs> or that he then promptly fired the board of directors and took over everything like a Emperor Palpatine. So you're just going to steal my whole lightning round article. I didn't know you did that. I it's didn't read that far. Fine, Chris. <laughs> it's So first off, in this section, I'm barely going to talk about Elon. Mostly because he's a petulant man-child whose ego is only dwarfed by his towering insecurity and deep-rooted desire to be cool. Spoiler alert, though. He's not cool. Oh, no, no, no. No, yes. No, no. That, that was implied. Heavily. <laughs> All I have to say is that, number one, he entered Twitter headquarters holding a sink for the lulls. <sighs> number two, he asked the software engineers to print out their code for him to review with them and other senior engineers from Tesla. Yes. Print out the code. Then later the same day, told them, oh, never mind. That's presumably after the story leaked and he was worried about his reputation as a super cool guy. This is a man who clearly doesn't understand how code works or how memes work. Christ, what an asshole. Well said. Thank you. And that, that's it. That's all I'm going to say about old Muskie. Of course, at this point, you might have concerns about the bird site in question. And I'm not talking about the habitat of the blue-footed booby. (laughs) Stop. Stop. Stop it, Chris. That's its name. It's not its fault. But, you know, speaking of another blue bird, um, will Twitter become a blighted hellscape of hot take garbage, incendiary goading from the alt-right and racist trash from neo-Nazis? I mean, like, more than it already is. I was going to say, become? 
Fair. I think that's an unlikely future since uh, he who should not be named now owes a lot of money to banks and he needs Twitter to be profitable. You know what advertisers don't want? A toxic hellscape of unwelcoming garbage. We've got eyeballs to reap, people. Also, did you see the part where he was trying to make people pay for blue checks for $20 a month? God, just the whole lightning round (laughs) article right here. (laughs) You're a bastard. I'm going to make you read it, too. That's fine. So, while I don't believe Twitter is destined to get measurably worse for the moment, I also thought it might be nice to explore an alternative. LinkedIn? No. (laughs) No, no. No, 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 no. For all the very cool tech that comes out of the team at LinkedIn, they still can't make a decent UI or an Android app that actually functions. Why do you need an app? Just use the website. I feel something close to physical pain each and every time I have to interact with the platform, regardless of UI. Also, we're not going to consider Truth Social or Parler for what I hope are obvious reasons. Hashtag blighted hellscape. Thank you. That, that should definitely be in the, uh, in the, in the Twitter post. <laughs> no, I am talking about an experience that's similar to Twitter, but not owned by Twitter. In fact, not owned by any single individual. A decentralized platform, if you will. And you might. Ooh, NFTs. Hell no. Oh. We are going to take a look at Mastodon. The dinosaur? No. The band? No. Pain medicine. Just stop. Mastodon is an open source microblogging platform, just like Twitter, but it has some key differences. The biggest of which is that it is decentralized. If you want to think about it like email, that's actually a really excellent analogy. So consider the humble email. Email can be sent and received by anyone who sets up a mail server and a DNS record. There's no central governing body that oversees the whole of email, except, well, I mean, except maybe DNS, but you could get around that if you really tried. Your email is hosted on a server managed by you, or, I mean, honestly, if we're being realistic, probably someone else. We've been over that one before. Easier that way. Yeah. Messages are sent via a commonly agreed upon protocol, SMTP, and you can use filtering rules to decide where you will accept messages from and send messages to, you know, to like block spam and stuff. Send all messages from nedinthecloud.com directly into the trash. Exactly. Like everyone does. (laughs) Uh, The administrator of an email server can set policies regarding things like retention, backups, message content, usage, and more. And they probably also have the ability to read all of your messages if they really want to. And if they're an old exchange admin, they probably have. Sinners. Look, with great power (laughs) comes a lot of boredom. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) So you better trust your email provider or just accept the fact that they will scan every message with AI to improve their targeted ads. Thank you, Gmail. So all of this is very similar to Mastodon, as we'll see shortly. So, decentralized, but federated. 
Getting back to the software in question, Mastodon is a decentralized and federated architecture. Unlike Twitter, which is centrally run and managed, a federated decentralized service is made up of lots of separate deployments connected through some shared protocol like email or phone networks are. The shared protocol that Mastodon uses is called ActivityPub. And just like email and SMTP, we don't have to, where you don't all have to be running like postfix to send your messages to each other. With ActivityPub, not everyone actually has to be running Mastodon. As long as the software implements ActivityPub and Federation, then Mastodon sites can interact with that service. And because naming things is hard, as we know, the larger constellation of sites that support ActivityPub are called the Fediverse. I had to Google this to make sure that you weren't making this up. That's fair. I am both shocked and disappointed to tell everyone that it's 100% true. Yeah. And if you're getting flashbacks to the early 2000s, you're probably thinking of Kevin Federline. And I'm sorry. Well, I am now. <laughs> Isn't everyone? No. No, they're not. Among the other Fediverse uh, sites that are out there, which Fediverse is not capitalized for some intangible reason, but I'm sure it has to do with the author reading too much E.E. E. Cummings. And hey, you know what? We've all been in ninth grade and trying to find our individual voice by borrowing others and trying them on. I mean, like I had the pen name The Hermit on all lowercase for three or four years until I grew up and realized that capitals are fine, Chris. They're fine. You can use them. You doing, all, doing all right, buddy? I blacked out for a second. <laughs> what? Why is my mouth so dry? So Fediverse. Uh, all, all other Fediverse sites that are uh, out there, Pixel Fed to share images, PeerTube to share videos, and Plume for long-form articles. One of those names is actually good. Is it Plume? Yes, it's yeah. Plume. Okay, yeah, good. Okay, yeah. Uh, so that sounds like a lot of existing services that are centralized today, but could be offered in a decentralized platform. How about it? I would like to know more. All right. The fact that Mastodon is software and not a service means that you don't sign up for Mastodon. You sign up for a server that is running Mastodon. And that means the people running the server get to send, set their own acceptable use policies. Servers tend to get launched for particular interests like tiddlywinks, regions, languages, or really any type of community that's out there. Yeah, they're like, kind of like a subreddit. But whoever's running the server handles all of that stuff for the Mastodon version of a subreddit. Correct. Because Reddit, obviously, is a highly centralized platform, too. Yes, which is its own set of problems. Right. What? From Reddit? There's never been any problems with Reddit. One of the great things about Mastodon services is they don't have ads. That is good. So instead, they have to make money another way, or maybe not make money. They tend to be personally funded for just fun or uh, have a company funded for beneficent reasons, or crowdfunded through Patreon, also a solid option, or sometimes they even have paid accounts. So you pay to be on that server. But that's, like, again, just the person who set up that server mm -hmm. sets up, you have to pay X amount. And if right. you don't like it, you can just go to a different server. Absolutely. And you can move your account from one server to another. Right. Each Mastodon server is free to have its own policies regarding posting and behavior on the server. 
You run afoul of the admins and they can boot you from the server and all your datas are gone. It also means that you are relying on the server admin to properly maintain their architecture. See the whole running your own email server thing? It means things like having reliable uptime, backing up content on the regular, having emergency admins in case the main admin is unavailable. And they're the ones who will need to patch, upgrade, and configure the server to avoid security and stability issues. Now, maybe you don't care about any of this and you just want to post to the metaverse. Well, to the fediverse. Great. Go to joinmastodon.org and pick a server from their list. And you'll get a bare minimum that's included in the Mastodon server covenant, which includes policing hate speech, taking daily backups, and giving three months notice before shutdown so people can take their account and go elsewhere. If you do care about all this, you can find a server that claims to adhere to higher standards or just host a Mastodon server yourself. Myself? You could do it. Wow. Tell you me get a more. Server and you get a server. <laughs> well, if you do want to run it yourself and you 100% can, you'll need an HPE Superdome and a storage array with a minimum of 150 petabytes, although the pros have a sweet exabyte on hand. Yeah, I have like four of those in the basement. What's next? Okay, excellent. Uh, I kid, obviously. This is kind of like firing up an email server. You can start small and scale up depending on the number of users and what they're doing. The actual application, the software itself, is a Rubies on Rails app, those still exist, with a React.js front end and a PostgreSQL back end. And it also can use Redis for caching, although that's optional. The app is available as a container, as a vagrant box, or you can build it from source because, of course, this whole thing is based on open source technologies and is open source itself. You'll need some kind of machine to host it on. You'll need a public domain that can be verified, some form of SMTP service since it does use email, and optionally an S3 compatible provider for media storage because you don't want to store all the images on expensive disk. What's in the image? Well, you know, for different people, it means different things. You have your own self-image, you have your image of others, and all of that stuff takes up a lot of space. My image of you is going quality-wise downhill. That's fair. <laughs> so while you can host it yourself, the practical need to do so at first is extremely low. So unless, for whatever reason, you want to get to know the admin side of Mastodon, stick to an existing server while you dip your toe in the water. You can always set up a server and move your account later. Now signing up. How do you sign up? Well. Some servers allow anyone with a valid email to sign up, while others are a bit more choosy. You can go, like I said, to joinmastodon.org and pick a server that looks good to you, maybe based off of interest or community. You'll choose a username, which will be appended with the at server address that you picked, and that will be your Mastodon identity. So for instance, it could be at poopyhead would be your username, at Mastodon.social could be the server. That's a big and popular one. Poopyhead is popular? Yes, very popular. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Especially in German forums. <laughs> now, the important thing to note is that your Mastodon identity exists on that server. So if something happens to that server, your account is gone as well. Hence important. having 
a reliable server run by reputable admins who do that 90-day warning in case there's a problem and actually have backups and whatnot. Yes, all those things would be good. Yes. Now, how do you get started? Well, once you sign up for an account, this is a social platform, just like any other social platform. So you'll have a profile to fill out, people to discover and follow, and posts that you can make yourself. You can use hashtags in your post and follow and search other tags across the Fediverse. Most people start by posting about themselves with the hashtag introduction, which is also a good way to find others that are new to the platform. One question you might have is, how do the servers federate? And generally speaking, if you follow a user or mention them in your post and they are on another Mastodon server, the first time you mention them, the two servers will federate and now things are discoverable on that other server. You can search the larger Mastodon network by using hashtag searches. And I assume the different servers will have rules about creating or allowing federation just ad hoc, or is it a per connection request approval situation? Or The admin of the server can decide which servers to federate with and block certain servers if they want to. Okay. Also, when you generate a post, you can determine the visibility of that post and you could restrict it to only local people on the server for viewing. You can also do it do a public post, so that's available to anyone. You can do an unlisted post, which means it'll show up in the feed of people on the local server, but not in the public feed of people who are just you know scrolling through. Uh, you can also send uh, a message that is only viewable by the people that you mention in the post, or you can mention a single person, which is basically a DM. Okay, I like it. So, so you got a lot more options in terms of who you're trying to communicate with. A lot more options. But other than that, you can just treat it like the bird site at first. There's some nuance in there in terms of how you connect to the larger Fediverse, as we just mentioned. There's all the different post types that are available. And you have a lot of control about how you filter and block others. Hooray! The good news is that tools to block assholes are much more robust on Mastodon. You can filter out certain keywords and phrases you just won't see those posts. You can hide, mute, and block user accounts. You can block an entire server, or you can force follow approvals. So you have to approve someone who wants to follow you. Oh. Overall, I'm gonna say Twitter could learn a thing or two from what Mastodon has put in place. Now, will they? That's ah! Ah! Durable. I'm laughing so hard I could shit. No, dear listener, they will not. Because Twitter doesn't give a crap about you, only what they can advertise to you. Now, another question is, how big is the Fediverse in comparison to the existing social communities that are out there? So Twitter has a reported 278 million daily active users. LinkedIn claims about 900 million members, of which about a third are active on a daily or monthly basis. Facebook has 1.9 billion daily active users. That's a larger number. Slightly. TikTok has 1.8 
billion monthly active users. They don't say daily active, but you can assume it's relatively close. The Fediverse has about 6 million view users, of which 800,000 are active in the last month. So, um, comparatively, that's not very big. Yet. Yet. If you were someone who was like trying to build your brand or sell a thing or reach a vast and wide audience, this ain't it. You can go peddle your crap on TikTok, which, and I can't stress this enough, is six and a half times bigger than Twitter and growing. If you want to reach a, reach a wide audience and get engagement, TikTok is it's probably the way to go, unfortunately. After that, probably LinkedIn and then Twitter. I'm not even going to mention Facebook because um, fuck that guy. Robot fight. Robot, Robot fight. fight. But if you're looking to spin out some random ideas into the ether or possibly get engaged in an interesting conversation where people don't just scream at each other, I hear Slack, Discord, and Reddit are okay. I mean... So, yeah, and the interesting thing about those three things is it's also an environment you have to curate for yourself, right? You yes. have to sign up for or be allowed access to a Discord server. You True. have to sign up or allowed access to a Slack channel. Mm -hmm. Or what are they called? Slack organizations i have no idea workspace work yeah. group and reddit something. same thing there you get signed up for default subreddits when you log in but you can very easily and i highly recommend <laughs> getting rid of all that shit and just having subreddits that match what your interests are right so i mean all of these platforms exist and they're already in heavy use today so I'm honestly not 100% sure what Mastodon is for, aside from running screaming away from Twitter. I mean, that's that's valid. Yeah. I love running screaming, running away from things. Yes, who doesn't? Um, despite their man-child-in-chief, I expect I'm probably going to keep using Twitter to promote stuff, at least for a while. At least until it descends into complete and utter chaos. Now, according to TechCrunch... Mastodon app downloads appear to be at an all-time high at the moment, but many people are not quitting Twitter and running to Mastodon. They're signing up for Mastodon in addition to Twitter. Right. And even if they are quitting Twitter, they'll probably come skulking back eventually like most, most rage quitters do. Why do you keep staring at me like that? Because you're here. Oh. Carry on. Okay. Now, personally, I have joined the server hackyderm.io, hosted by Chris Nova. She's a pretty cool cat, and uh, I trust that she'll be a good steward of my data. While I feel out this whole Mastodon thing, links are in the show notes if you want to join into the party and say hi. But uh, that's all I have to say about Mastodon for the moment. So you signed up for this account. Mm -hmm. Is that as far as you've gotten? I have signed up for the account. I've followed some people. Some people have followed me on the server and off of the server. And I've started checking out different hashtags that I think might be of interest to me and found some cool stuff. So not, not a full loss. I think it's worthwhile me putting some amount of effort into continuing to check it out. And what about the other part of actually starting and or maintaining a server of your own? Yep, not even going to try. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be a no from me, Bob. I, it seems interesting and maybe would be fun to set up and run for a hot minute, kind of like a Bitcoin miner. But I have no interest in doing that in a long-term basis. Right. 
Yeah, and I think that's one thing that is going to make the decision of a server kind of important to people answering the question, does this make sense for me or not? Because if you set up your own server, you have all that control, but you've also got a lot of maintenance and responsibility, like you were talking about at the top. Mm -hmm. So if you can do something like the one you're talking about, uh, Hockeyderm, I assume, is doing um, infrastructure as code for um, animals that live in the water. That sounds right. Yeah. yeah. Then you're pretty much set, right? Because it's not like you're losing any functionality just having an account. You can right. still do everything in the Fediverse. Right. You just, you're not in charge of the server, which is pros and cons. The biggest pro is you don't have homework to do and upgrades <laughs> at two o'clock in the morning. Exactly. Right. And literally, Chris just migrated to new infrastructure to handle the additional user load that's coming from Twitter. So we're in pretty good shape for a while. And, and she seems like she's on the ball in terms of not losing your data, which is nice. That is nice. Yeah. Losing data bad. Depends on the data. Fair. Generally, yes. Lightning round? Lightning round. Woo! ISO 27001 updated for 2022. Finally. The ISO, or the International Standards Organization, has updated their bedrock cybersecurity standard for the first time in nearly a decade. Considering how comprehensive the standard aims to be, and considering how fast cybersecurity has evolved since, well, computers, it's fairly shocking that this is the first major update to the standard since 2013. Ah, what's happened in the last nine years? The delay has actually been enough to make a lot of companies stop caring about being ISO compliant and move to other security models such as NIST cybersecurity framework. Also, the ISO standards ain't free. If you want to read it, you'll have to plunk down $195. Luckily for you, the new standard is still not very much changed from the 2013 version. Some wording here, a little reorganization there, and a single added clause about planning your changes, which is probably something you were doing already anyway. One would hope. So there you go. I just saved you $195. Bucks. You're Thanks. welcome. But... If you're still in the spending money mood, I did just create a Chris Needs a Shiny New Porsche GoFundMe campaign that I'd be thrilled to have you contribute to. Link to that, as always, in the show notes. Nutanix might be for sale. Who's buying? I have $10. Sold. Yes. Honestly, I'm shocked Nutanix has managed to stay independent for this long. Six years ago, there was a massive consolidation of the hyper-converged infrastructure marketplace, with vendors like HPE and Dell scooping up HCI solutions to replace their terrible in-house developed ones. Looking at you, HPE. I really thought a hardware vendor would stroll along and buy Nutanix out to pad out their portfolio. Maybe someone like, I don't know, Cisco. Later on, I thought Nutanix could be an on-prem play for one of the cloud vendors, mostly Google, to compete with the Azure Stack and AWS Outposts offerings. But amazingly, no. The HCI buzz died down, Google Cloud held fast to their hardware-agnostic Anthos solution, and Nutanix continued to burn through marketing cash and goodwill at an aggressive pace. In fact, if there's one word I could use to describe the culture of Nutanix, it's aggressive. Their sales culture, their marketing stunts, even folks that defend Nutanix on Twitter are all quite aggressive. In fact, if I use the hashtag 
Nutanix on Twitter and say something disparaging, I guarantee I'll get a reply guy within two minutes. That is aggressive. Mm-hmm. It's the reason I've never take the, taken the solution seriously. I'm sure that the tech is fantastic. Great even. I just don't want to work with them. Well, now it appears Nutanix might finally be on the auction block, with the Wall Street Journal reporting that people familiar with the matter report Nutanix has received a possible offer for sale. Now, who would the buyer be? A solid bet would be on private equity. Nutanix has suffered a 30% dip in market value since last year, and although it had a decent Q3, things are not looking great. A private equity firm could scoop them up, lean them out, and then choose to either sell them off to a vendor, relaunch them as an IPO, or perform rent extraction on existing customers who have locked themselves into the Acropolis platform. Anybody want to place bets? <laughs> we'll keep an eye on this situation as it evolves. Microsoft keeps trying to compete with iPad Pro, keeps falling on their face. Mm. Oh, Microsoft, I am proud of you for trying. But what is you doing? <laughs> the latest version of the Surface Pro was released this week, version 9, count them 9, of the hardware. Like iPad, it has made the move away from Intel and is powered by an ARM chip. Like iPad, the hardware seems legitimately great. Responsible and capable with great battery life and an optional and kind of cool keyboard slash screen cover slash pencil holder thingamajig. Mm -hmm. I believe that's the official technical term. Okay. What it doesn't have, though, is an OS or applications that work on ARM. Oh. All right. So, like, not zero, but just a terrible number, like a totally unsatisfactory number of them. I think it's another example of how no teams in Redmond are allowed to talk to each other. Mm. The hardware team releases this firecracker of a platform, crushes it, uh -huh. admittedly. The OS and the app teams, not so much. Mm, no. Most apps just flat out don't work in the native mode, forcing an emulation, which, as you can imagine, destroys performance and reliability. And that is not a trade-off most people are going to be happy with, especially considering the device's starting price is $1,600. Or $1,900 if you want the keyboard and stylus thingamajigs. Hmm. That is not a recipe for success. Having said that, and I'm not naming names here, but I'm sure Ned has already ordered three. Uh, that would be four, one for the dog. Fair. I learned my lesson after buying the Microsoft Duo 2, which, very similar story. Outstanding hardware. Like, no notes. It is a fantastic piece of hardware. Beautiful, well-made. The OS sucks. Dog water. Yeah. Mobileye IPO debuts at $21 a share for an Intel wash. Mobileye is an Israeli company specializing in artificial vision with cameras, chips, and software. They've primarily partnered with auto manufacturers to help improve self-driving vehicles. Intel picked up Mobileye for $15.3 billion back in 2017, taking the public company private in the process. It's clear that Intel saw potential in the self-driving market and AI vision, and was looking to diversify. 
Now that was 2017. And in the last five years, Intel has had a bit of a come to Jesus moment with the return of Pat Gelsinger to the company as CEO. Pat's stated mission is to have Intel focus on its core products and start selling off acquisitions to fuel future growth in chip design and fabrication. Intel took Mobileye public again last week at $21 a share, drumming up an estimated $17 billion. Now with inflation, that equates to what is essentially a wash for Intel. But it does give them a nice infusion of some much needed cash especially after their financial report for Q3, showing them down 20% year-over-year in revenue and down 85% in net income. Whew. Now, a lot of that is spending going back into Intel. Right. But still, the slowing PC and data center sales combined with an aggressive restructuring doesn't help. We'll see if their updated strategy pays literal dividends in a couple of years. Rambus releases PCIe 6 interface intended to add functionality for CXL 3.0 to SOC solutions. None of that were real words. You just <laughs> made letters in a row. ABC1 is not nearly as compatible with ABC 1.2 as you would... Wait, sorry. Wrong article. Um, <laughs> so, fair warning. You are going to be hearing a lot about CXL on this podcast over the next... From now on. <laughs> so I won't belabor the point. In summary, CXL is a developing standard that is going to allow composable infrastructure at a device level and run over PCIe that is not necessarily internal to a server. Currently, there are real products that exist in the world that are CXL 2.0 compatible. The 3.0 standard has been released, but it doesn't have a lot of devices or use cases yet, mostly because CXL 3.0 requires PCIe 6, which is taking some time to get into motherboards, etc. Mm -hmm. Rambus saw this and decided, nah, bro, hold my beer, and built a PCIe 6 interface that should be a simple replacement for system builders, particularly for system-on-a-chip builders. So that's what SOC stands for. Yeah. System. I get it. Oh. Uh, realistically, though, it'll take another year at least before we see any CXL 3.0 available, let alone on store shelves. But this offering should do a lot to smooth the way to getting there as fast as possible. I'm going to read this one anyway. Do it. Because I it. wrote it. That sinking feeling over at Twitter HQ. I know he meant it as a joke, carrying a sink into Twitter headquarters. But it could also be taken as a pronouncement like, we're a sinking ship, or I have a sinking feeling. Sinks are not well known for their positive spin. Cyclodial? Certainly. Positive? Only in Australia during the rainy season. Now, since taking over Twitter last week, let's hit all the highlights. Musk has certainly not shied away from embracing his worst impulses. He demanded to see the last 30 days of code from each of the senior engineers in printout format. He is planning to change the cost of Twitter Blue from $5 a month to $20 a month and force anyone with a verified mark to join Twitter Blue or lose said checkmark. 
he is planning to lay off between 50 and 75% of staff, depending on which way the wind is blowing, with the first round targeting about 7,000 people or 25% of the Twitter workforce. He has fired former CEO Parag Agrawal and, in the last hour since I started writing this, has dismissed the entire board of directors, giving himself complete control. For good or ill, this is now 100% Musk's debacle, and he's going to need to own it. Of course, the bulk of his decisions are financial in nature and not about content or moderation, two things he has always sorely lacked. Despite all his promises about the village public square and extreme protection of freedom of speech, Musk is, and always will be, a rich boy who wants to remain rich. And there is nothing or no one he will value over money. Christ, what an asshole. One other thing, uh, with all of the firings that he did, he and Twitter are now on the hook for something like $100 million in golden parachute payments to oh, Prague yeah. and company. Mm-hmm. See, they all, all those people, they had clauses in their contract. And don't get me started on the senior engineers he'll fire that also have stock options. Right. Oh, yeah, that was why he was going to fire all those people, because that was the day before they vested, right? Yes. Because he's a terrible human being. That's the one. Right. Hey, thanks for listening or something. I guess you found it worthwhile enough if you made it all the way to the end. So congratulations to you, friend. You accomplished something today. Now hail the almighty Zorg. Swear fealty to your reptilian overlords and perhaps will return to grant you mercy. You've earned it? You can find me or Chris on Twitter at Ned1313 and at Hainer, respectively, or follow the show at chaos underscore lever if that's the kind of thing you're into. Show notes are available at chaoslever.com if you like reading things, which you shouldn't. Podcasts are better in every conceivable way. We'll be back next week to see what fresh hell is upon us. Ta-ta for now. I think I'm You're not saying I've earned it. Give it to me, I'm worth it? Why? Why? What? Yakety sacks. Don't talk back. <laughs> I'm just gonna go. Okay.